Masonic Muscle episode 36. Welcome to Masonic Muscle, where we explore the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry. And at the same time, I'm encouraging all you brethren during these last two years during COVID, you know, a lot of you just sat on that couch and just shoved your face with a bunch of whatever it was, and you got out of shape. That's why I'm encouraging you. Get out there. Get some. If you live around me here, hey, you can come and get it for free. And um, all we, we ask of you is that you hit it hard. So you hit it hard. You come and you, you come and you start strengthening your body, mind, and soul. And if you do it right, and if you listen to these conversations and you have other conversations with other brethren or you read something, you're going to get an awesome muscular pump, but also a mental pump. So this podcast, just like many other Masonic podcasts, what are we trying to do? We're trying to give you more light. But when you come into the dungeon, no light waits, please. Thank you. For all of you who have been listening to Masonic Muscle, make sure to rate us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify. And some of you say, well, where can I listen to it? Well, I'm on Breaker. I'm on Google Podcasts. I'm on Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher. And you can follow me on Instagram at Masonic Muscle. Or you can write to me at MasonicMuscle357 at gmail.com and write to me about how much you like it, how much you hate it. I don't give a shit. Just write to me and tell me how I can improve it or tell me how well I'm doing or tell me how well I'm not doing. Just, you know, get up in there and get something done. So this episode here is the Masonic Variant Part 2. Right. And uh, I know everyone's tired of the variants and all of these variants, but it, brethren, we're talking about Freemasonry. So I'm going to talk about, well, what about the Masonic variant? Because there's some guys that's like the Hodge twins, right? They, they have a shirt and they called it the, uh, the, the tyrant uh, variant and you know, making fun of all these. Uh, they, the Omicron, you know, they, they did the, the moronic variant. <laughs> so I'm, so I, I'm saying, what about the Masonic variant? And what I was referring to on that first part was, you know, all, all of a sudden, all these restrictions came out. All of a sudden, you know, wash your hands. And if you feel sick, stay home. And I was like, guys, isn't this what they, isn't, didn't your mom teach you that? Like most, most good moms and dads, you know, hey, wash your hands before you come in. Wash your hands before you, after you come from the restroom or you just touch something and you're about to eat and don't touch your face because all the germs. So wash your hands. So that was something common. Um, if you didn't feel well, yeah, don't go to school or stay at home. And if you, if your buddy was sick, you know, you need to stay away from him. We, we didn't need this to remind us of that. Right. Um, and when you apply it to a lodge, and most lodges of and of you know of themselves are very exclusive right we 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 
you know, now we're a lot of us because of the aceps of excellence and you know guarding the Westgate. A lot of us have understood that the lodge is no more or no less who you invite in. So we're looking for quality versus quantity. So that automatically, a lodge should not, in my opinion, should not be any bigger than like 25, 30 people. And once it grows beyond that, you should, we should be encouraging the brethren to break off and form their own lodges so that they can experience the same uh, intimacy and fellowship that they experienced when they came in. Because once you go beyond that number, it's hard to continue to try and connect on that same level. It's just too many people. That's why these schools, for so many years, they've been struggling because the, the classes are like 30 people, 40 kids, and they're just going crazy. They're going berserk. They're over there farting, fighting in the corner, farting too, for, for that matter. And the teacher just is impossible for them to take control of the class and reach the students the way they're supposed to, because it's just too many. You can't divide all your attention, but if the class was, you know, uh, 10 to 15, and now you're getting some quality work done and um, you're giving the attention that the kids should have, what's well, the same thing in what we're talking about. And if you do that, and even if you don't do that, because masonry, for, for whatever reason, has been struggling, and there's many, many factors, but, you know, lodges, you go to them, and, and you have your limited amount of people. So, you know, you could have been socially distancing the whole time. And you, brethren, you know that what I'm saying is the truth. You know it. If, if you are fortunate enough, brothers, brothers and brethren, where you're in a lodge where you always had 50 or 100 you know, it's only because your roster was like a thousand or two thousand members and you still follow that 10% rule. So, and kudos to you, kudos to you, but I'm talking about all the other lodges and you could have easily safe distanced. You could have easily been going to lodge and practicing your ritual with your five, seven officers. You could have been safe distancing. And for those members who wanted to they could have been wearing their mask and they could have been washing their hands every five minutes and, and, you know, applying the, you know, the, the stuff for your hands and sanitizers and all that stuff and spraying the atmosphere. And so the Masonic variant though also has to do with the different types of, uh, masonry that was being practiced and the different degrees that began to pop up almost immediately when the grand lodge was created in 1717 and now there's even doubt there's even doubt of being cast on that with the further research and further uh, evidence coming out and, and documents so now we don't really know that it was 1717 but we're, we're sticking to that until until we're we're sure but um these uh, exposés began to come out. So what happened? Uh, Grand Lodges had to start figuring out a way to guard the Westgate. And so with the exposés coming out, people were just walking into lodges and they were saying the correct passwords and they were giving the correct handshakes and they were passed off as, as a member when they weren't, when they didn't take the ceremony, they didn't go through the ceremony to become a, a member. So, uh, they had to create variant rituals 
or take the ritual and begin to um, chop it here and chop it there or, or jumble it around. So, and, and hope that nobody was telling anybody else what it was. So another expose wouldn't come out, but guess what? It, it was happening. So the variations of the, you know, the tokens and words and signs and what have you, uh, they, they were, they were coming out so that you were, you, you were getting variants. And how was, how were people, how were Masons, how were Grand Lodges, Grand Masters dealing with it? Were they reacting just like we were today with these variants? And, oh, no, now we got to do this. And what, what was the inoculation? You know, how, how were we inoculating ourselves against these variants? Well, I just explained some of it. And that was that they had to go back and begin to change up the passwords and the tokens and the words and so that the people who now thought they were Masons because they paid for these exposés, uh, they couldn't, now they couldn't gain access. So we were inoculated against the variants. But variants kept coming out. And once this hit France, right, now we had an explosion of degrees happening all over the place. And what began to happen was that they were being sold to make money. And many members began to take liberties, members and non-members. And they were just, man, it became a degree mill where it got to up to over like a hundred degrees that you could take and be the grand this and granddad and grand poobah. And for those of you Scottish Rite Masons who know your history, you know very well that Scottish right masonry didn't come from scotland it came from france that's where it was concocted that's where it was created and so um it's a french variant i wonder what we should call that we we viva la france we we uh so there's the french variant and then you had the italian variants and then you had scottish variants and irish variants and you know, the English variants. And then, uh, you know, here in America, we have a, a combination all around the United States of different of the Prestonian, Webb, uh, Smith, you know, ritual. But what about also now, because what I did was I, I talked about the Masonic variant and then the exercise variant, the weightlifting variant. And so what about in, in, in the exercise world? Well, in the exercise world, the variety of routines be, really began to explode somewhere around 1930, 1940. And you're talking about when Jack Lane began to become prominent. And so um, people began to realize, men that, that were weightlifting began to realize uh, and understand progressive resistance they began to understand if you do uh, 100 reps uh, of 100 push-ups today and then you increase it to 125 and then you increase it to you know 200 reps you, you, your body your muscles continue to grow and then they understood uh, the nutritious aspect right you needed to take more food they got hungrier and then and then uh the the biggest variant was when michael C. Heiss 
um, created the milk and squats routine, which was 20 reps. Uh, you, after your warmups, you stack the weight to a, you know, to a weight, you stack the bar to a weight that you would normally only be able to squat about 10 times. And through a pause, breathing pause method, you know, where you would squat the weight. And when you come up, you stand up. And as you're waiting, you're breathing through your mouth. You're taking three giant gulps of air. Then you hold your breath and do another rep. And you, when you stand, when you come back up, you again, breathe through your mouth, three or four, it would end up becoming more, uh, more uh, breaths of air because you were getting more tired and you battle for those last 10, equaling 20 reps. And once you finish your 20 reps, you do 20 breathing pullovers, which would open up the rib cage. It would, uh, increase your ability to get more oxygen, bring more oxygen into the lungs. And if you had any more juice energy after these 20 reps that you should have been battling for, then you would probably do like, a, like back then it was, you know, in the forties, I think when it was created uh, by Mike Heiss, um, you would do maybe an overhead press because they weren't bench pressing back then. You would do an overhead press, you would do, uh, you know, maybe some uh, bent over rows. And that was about it. That was about it. And from there, Heiss, I think uh, he, he just, uh, he documented his stuff. He journaled, he wrote in his journal, and, and then he wrote about how much weight he had gained, muscular weight. And so the, the people, the hardcore people who, who knew about this, they did their own experiments with it, like Peary Raider um uh l's uh there's some other big names out there that i'm just it, you know it's it's escaping me right now but they did their own experimentation and got awesome results as well and you know the the uh, routine was after the squats you would do some you know obviously your breathing pullovers then you would do your standing military press you would do some bent over rows and then you would do maybe maybe some arm work, some crunches, and that was it. And they would do it three times a week, but they would they would switch up the intensity. And so, like Monday could have been the day that they went all out. Wednesday was a light day, and then Friday was a medium day. And so you had your variety, you had variants, right? Of this method methodology and so just like in masonry you had your masonic variant and the weightlifting world you had your weightlifting variant and it all had to do with the amount of effort you're putting in and and you're increasing the weight once a week and they got to such extraordinary weights that they couldn't keep stacking on like five pounds per week and so they had to figure out how okay well i can't do uh, you know, because they didn't have the little plates that they do now. So they had to figure out. So, and, and in their genius, what did they do? Well, a lot of them worked on their cars. So they, they would see these giant washers. And so they would put on the washers or, or they would uh, get magnets and, and they would equal half a pound or a pound. They were just, just total genius. 
necessity is the mother of invention. And so they, they would do that and, uh, and continue to prolong these, these uh, cycles of weightlifting to not three months, four months, but a year long where, you know, just by stacking on a half a pound, a pound, next thing you know, they, by the end of the year, they added on 15 extra pounds to their overall squat. But because they were working so hard and their bodies were producing so much testosterone that they were, you know, gaining uh, another five pounds of solid muscle. So that's, that's it. That's what I have for the Masonic variant slash weightlifting variant. I'm going to, I think, depending on what kind of reaction I get, I'm going to continue on this track. I, I, uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought it would lighten up the mood with all these variants coming out and well, what, well, I ask you, brethren, what about the Masonic variant? Right. So until next time, continue to increase the weight, continue to increase your Masonic knowledge and continue to increase your Masonic muscle. Peace out.